there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Special edition of The Doctor is in. That is Dr. Rashid Bittar, and we are getting ready to do some advanced medicine midweek because we're both heading to San Diego for the best answer for cancer. And since I was heading back from the hosers up there in uh, California, well, no, where were I was? Canada. Yeah, I was in Canada. Absolutely, Dr. Bittar, uh, you're not a hoser, at least in, unless you're in Canada. You're not in Canada, are you? I'm not. <laughs> I can't tell you all the... Nice and wonderful things, Dr. Batar, that was said about you by Ty Bollinger when we were up there in Canada together. I'm sure it was really nice. <laughs> he was like, tell, <laughs> tell Rashid Butters, uh, you know, and then he, then he continued to make stuff up. It was hilarious, but uh, I wish we were all together. So we'll have fun together, though, uh, starting tomorrow in San Diego. So uh, anyway, uh, we got a lot, lots to talk about, of course. First and foremost, best answer for cancer. It's been a few years since you've been at it. This is the first time I'm attending, and a lot of doctors are coming for CME credits, learning how to integrate more holistic uh, supportive therapies into their into their practice, uh, whether they're oncologists or not, certainly the focus is on cancer. Yeah, it's uh, actually an integrative oncology uh, society. I guess they're about 16, 17 years um, in the making now. And um, I have uh, been a keynote speaker there a number of years ago. And uh, it's, it's usually a pretty good conference. It's not it's not that big, maybe three, 400 doctors. But at least in the past, I have no idea what the size is now. Well, and I know a lot, there's lay audience as well. They don't get CMEs. They don't need them, but uh, I think they're open to uh, uh, being there. So a lot of folks will come by and look forward to seeing you. So uh, we'll have a good time. But uh, uh, the, you know, the idea here, of course, is, is to get information that, as we know, the, the FDA is not prone to, to cover with uh, an open mind. Uh, first story of the day here as we dive into advanced medicine uh, de- de- describes this just horrific state. And this is Slate Magazine online, which is a, a typically a, a very far left leaning uh, publication, which is a you know worshipper of science. So it's really a shocking thing that they put this article out there. But it's a story about FDA fraud, fabrication, scientific misconduct, not necessarily done by the FDA, but covered up by the FDA. Did you? I mean, you take a look at this and you go. Once again, when these uh, heads of um, medical journals say we don't know what's legitimate science anymore, this validates that. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that among the non-pharmaceutically oriented businesses and the public that wants to have the right to make their own choices, I think among that population, the inherent flaws with the FDA are quite well known. But when, as you said, the the groups that normally adhere to this agenda with the with big pharma, et cetera, when they bring this out, it certainly is even more scandalous. And it's nothing surprising. I'm not surprised by that. You know, Robert, that it's, mm-hmm. anytime you have a big organization and you have more than three decision makers, you're going to end up having the Mexican bazaar scenarios and, you know, do this for me and I'll get this done and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, you scratch my back, you scratch my back type of thing. And we know also from, past uh, reviews where every major 
head of pharmaceutical company, uh, any major executive of any major pharmaceutical company has either previously worked for or has a contract to work for in the future um, with the with the FDA. Or, excuse me, I think it's a vice. It's, it's the other well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a revolving door that's that's very known. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it's funny because we know the FDA listens to this show just in case we say something too correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't like that, right? Yeah. We're just bringing up what was already written, right? Yeah, exactly. No, nothing new here. Move along. Nothing to see. Uh, no, this is very important because, um, you know, one of the examples, and this was done by New York University students, actually. This is a, this was like a student project with a professor. And, and what they found out was stunning. Perhaps maybe that's why uh, Slate is covering it. It comes out from a liberal uh, uh, university, research uh, university. And, and, and yet what they found is just, again, if you are a, a believer in the Church of Scientism or Scientific Mysticism uh, Pharmaceutical Division, uh, it's got to be disheartening to say, you know, if you're genuinely, sincerely into science and you like the scientific process and you like that it reveals facts or truths that from those facts that you can conclude, you go, I can't conclude anything legitimately except that I don't know, again, what is real, what is not. Therefore, that religious dogma is it, it, well should be called into question from the word go because it's not supposed to be a religion. Yeah, that's exactly right. The the author of this article, or who it's being written about, says that that they themselves, with along with some of their students, looked at uh, roughly 600 clinical trials um, with all the different documents that went along with those trials, in which the researchers running the trials failed the F- FDA inspection. And, you know, when you start looking at 600 clinical trials, and this is only what they found, the 600 that failed, um, it was pretty interesting that that number, I mean, you would expect there to be a, a, a high number. You and I, knowing mm-hmm. what we know, would expect a high number. But honestly, 600 mm-hmm. failed trials. And then look at how many 600 times, let's say there's a drug per trial, at 600 drugs, and then how many, you know, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to potentially millions of people per drug so it has a huge, huge implication. Yeah, and the particular study that they referenced uh, supporting the, um, I believe it was an antibiotic called Ketek that was brought out to market. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being a, a very dangerous. By the way, uh, the 483s, they described this in, in, the, uh, in the article and in their study. This is a standard thing. When the FDA comes to inspect you as a manufacturer, it could be a, a pharmaceutical company, could be a dietary supplement company. 483s are given all of the time. It's pretty routine, but typically they're made public by law. It's a 483. It's a public issue. You, know, you can look it up. But in this case, they're hiding what these 483s, if they occurred, and what was in them. Like, it's like a, a top-secret information protecting those clinical trials that were fraudulent. What do you mean, as if they were? That's exactly what it was. Okay. Exactly <laughs> All right. was. There you go. I was, see, you I, was know, play, it, I was playing the uh, censorship game, just so you can catch me. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, I, I probably would play the game with you, but I know that the FDA listens to us. Oh, okay. And so I want them to know that, you know. We're on to them. <laughs> I want them to know that these type of things, you know, this is this is what it means to be an American, to be free, to, mm-hmm. to live in the uh, to the the greatest land on the planet. Mm-hmm. But this is what happens. I mean, we're told that we're free, but yet there are these types of subversive actions that are taking place, and the bodies that are appointed to guard us, you know, the FDA, the the, the, the various uh, regulatory bodies that are supposed to be put in place for safety. Mm-hmm. to protect the public, 
they have failed. They failed in the vaccine industry. They failed in the food. I mean, this other story that we're going to be talking about with the 85% toxicity, they failed in every aspect, the drugs, the foods, the, 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 the water. injections, everything that we're putting in body. Water, exactly. Yeah. They have completely and utterly failed at their mission. And their mission, which was very clearly delineated, is for the protection of the public. And they are not protecting the public. They're protecting their masters. Yeah, by the way, you fear in death administration uh, bureaucrats. Trump has it in for you. I'm telling you, uh, maybe that's why they don't like Trump, because part of his goal, and, and we get you know some insight into what's going on, even though there's a lot of uh, uh, things that are confusing because of the way the mainstream media covers it, but he, he part of why he went in there is to dismantle the regulatory state because it's an abject failure. It gets in the way of good things and, and uh, basically props up the things that are very dangerous. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Robert. The only thing is that the person that he placed in in the as the head of the FDA that we covered this in a couple of Scott uh, Gottlieb. Yeah, no, so, no, not a guy that we're real favorable toward unless he takes his orders from uh, Trump to dismantle the regulatory state. Then fine, he's just going to be following orders from Trump. But again, yes, that's why I say there's some level of it. Do, it's not readily obvious in every area that he's putting in a person that would be favorable toward, for instance, more natural uh, medicines, therapies, and real environmentally safe substances and things. But at the same time, again, all indications are pointing toward his his overreaching goal is to say, you guys, eliminate these regulations. If you propose one, eliminate two. So some of this has to be a positive uh, step, even though it's scary for a lot of folks. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, I'm not necessarily a person that says, you know, more natural stuff should go in Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not about this natural synthetic component. Um, I think you remember that one show when I had that lady, that nurse practitioner that called her from California and she started saying something, some kind of accolade that, you know, about me being, I don't know, some of the greatest natural healer or something. And I cut her off. And right, right. You remember when I said that what's so natural about sticking a metal object and giving a synthetic amino acid into somebody and infusing to the body. Mm-hmm. And at the, uh, at the break, you told me what to beat up somebody that's, you know, given you an accolade, but the, 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 the point is, though, that, you know, we have to differentiate between, you know, is, is natural always better? Well, mm-hmm. natural is more assimilable in the system, but natural many times is not necessarily better if the person that's using the natural substance is using it like a drug, meaning to cover up the symptom. So um, I have no problem using a synthetic substance if it's one the criteria for me is that it has to be, you know, anything anything you put in the body for seven days to elicit a response, as far as I'm concerned, is going to be okay. It's when you go beyond seven days, when you start getting put on a drug for the rest of your life type of thing, that's where a lot of problems arise. Short term, everything is, as far as I'm concerned, it's okay. If you need to use it for an extraordinary circumstance, for example, you know, um, you get somebody gets shot, okay, and you need to intubate them. Well, you need to paralyze them, and you can't paralyze them with a natural substance. So you paralyze them so you can intubate them, and then you reverse it, you know, and it's something that the drug's in the system for maybe a couple of hours, but you need to do that to maintain their airway so you can keep them alive. And so these types of things, you know, it may seem, well, oh, in that circumstances, okay, well, again, we have to, if we're going to talk about this, we need to be very uh, clear sure. that there's nothing wrong with synthetic versus uh, natural, but there's many natural substances that people will get put on in lieu of a drug, and it can have the same deleterious effect. Not necessarily that the substance is having a deleterious effect, but to manage it with a substance that's natural to cover up mm-hmm. the symptom, which will have now long-term 
Uh, hey, well, exactly. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, and I lectured in Canada on lung health, and I talked about the you know the crisis intervention that can save your life, even from an allopathic drug standard uh, that is appropriate. But my goal in the in the training for the folks that that attended was to help them understand why their lungs were problematic so that they don't start just giving natural substances to, to help the lungs that are symptomatically manifesting you know, some strange stuff, not because the lungs were bad, but because things below it were happening. And we're going to take a break with that thought form with Dr. Rasha Bittar as we continue. Advanced Medicine heading over to San Diego and the best answer for cancer after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Again, advanced medicine, as we uh, continue with Dr. Bittar here, is, is not about only natural stuff. And of course, the word natural doesn't have a real definition in government. You know, when we talk about food being organic, there are, you know, there are standards there that mean something. Whether you agree or disagree with them, that's another discussion. But the idea here as far as healing or helping people out of crisis, life and death matters. We, you know, and I said this in my lecture, Dr. Bittar, to the Canadians. I said, that, you know, the, even though the, the, your, your system, which is a socialized single payer system, uh, you, some of you love it. Some of you recognize the shortcomings of that really only covers the synthetic toxic pharmaceutical stuff and which is fine for emergency trauma interventions, but everything else, it's a disaster. And, and, and I think they're starting to get that. But the idea here is healers will utilize whatever is necessary to heal you. But if they go beyond, as you said, that like, for instance, that one week short term, short burst use of something synthetic, they're now crutching out. They're, they're failing their mission in terms of correcting the underlying problem, if that ever was their mission. You're, you're absolutely right, Robert. And, you know, they are. I even have. I sound lax here. I know that you're used to me being pretty hardcore, but um, uh-huh. I sound lax in this. But there are certain drugs, for example, um, a statin drug, you know, or there's certain types of drugs that are absolutely, I, I, see, I see them as only malpractice. I see them as only right. things that one day the powers that be or the one day the public will realize that to use this drug even for one day is just absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like consuming margarine. You know, there's no justifiable reason unless <laughs> yes. you're trying to... Um, uh, grease up the axle of your vehicle that you should be using margarine. So there are certain things like that that where, where it's absolutely no way should a person use them. But again, I, and I'm glad that you and I, we, I don't think we've ever really talked about this definition of natural or synthetic. Sure. It's really, you know, I think that that's one reason that they're more alternative. If you want to use that word alternative, um, you know how much I hate that word. Uh, <laughs> but there's probably more alternative doctors that dislike me than conventional doctors. And that's because I call them out on their BS. This is the same mm-hmm. problem with, with a lot of the people in the natural industry is where they will say uh, natural is better, better, better. You know, synthetic is bad, bad, bad. And then they'll use a natural substance to cover up the symptoms. So the problem is that we're treating symptoms. We're not treating the underlying causation. And that's really where the key is. Sure. Uh, and that's where I think, it, and it's not just in medicine, it's in everything, you know, in the economy, if you've got, if you've got a problem with like healthcare, or you've got problem with real estate market, you got stuff with the financial markets. If you sit there and you prop up a system, it's not going to last for that long. And if you look at our history on the planet, you know we're just a blip in in the time frame. Right. And nature just does not tolerate something for nothing for very long. Well, it, and spe- it, speaking, just, Dr. Batar, of the holistic uh, professions, 
if you will. Uh, you know, I had an example yeah. up in Canada, some friends who, um, you know, one particular was dealing with cravings, food cravings. And, uh, you know, somebody at the health food store suggested they take a form of chromium called uh, uh, picolinate, which is picolinic acid. Right, bound to a chromium mm-hmm. molecule, which is cellular waste, and it's like this does this is if it benefits at all, it's fraction, but it ain't. It's not natural. Yet you could say picolinic acid is natural, but you start combining it in unnatural ways, you don't have a food that the body necessarily recognizes a benefit. So when I utilize the chromium mineral in a food form, it, it, it's it's transformative. It's reversing type two diabetes readily and regularly. And again, so that's the mm-hmm. point of I like to call out those who th- consider themselves natural when they're using these things that aren't really. So let's be truthful about what we're doing and labeling it appropriately. Exactly. It's all about sustainability. And if it's not sustainable, then it's just not something that we should be involved in. It's not something that we should um, put our focus towards and put our efforts towards because that's really what the key is, sustainability. And I think that whether you're talking about agriculture or you're talking about the economy, or you're talking about your own personal health, it's all the same. It's all applicable. How would you describe, and you're going to be talking about uh, an Allison stabilized garlic in, as a, uh, an ad- to address the cancer group that, that we're going to be with together. Allison is a, is a natural compound from nature, from garlic. Stabilizing it, maybe it's not so stable in nature, but I haven't found any evidence of toxicity of utilizing this form of, of garlic, if you want to call it that. So how, where would you put that in the, in the measure of things? Well, I, I would put it into that category of um, where all um, pharmaceuticals, all drugs actually came from originally from somebody, you know, the ancient uh, witch doctor, medicine <laughs> man was trying to elicit a response. So he was using herbs. And so we've gone through this evolution where now, We've got man regulating the use of these herbs, and they've now synthesized the components from these herbs and called them drugs. So really, it's all one and the same. It's just when we have to start looking at where in the body and how in the body does this, does this particular substance work. And so in this particular case that you're talking about with the uh, alanase, alanase is something that comes from uh, al- alanine, mm-hmm. uh, which is naturally found in garlic. And then with the presence of alanine with the alanase enzyme, you have uh, allicin that's produced and allicin is like a transitory state so it's fluctuating constantly right stand by and stand by we had to fluctuate on a commercial break here we'll be back to answer these questions and more with dr rachi Batari, advanced medicine bonus time middle of the week here on the robert scott bell show the robert scott bell show in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, Dr. Vitar, I had to interrupt you going to break here, but fascinating discussion. And, and we're getting a sneak preview of, of uh, the CME presentation you're going to do for the doctors in San Diego. To, uh, the, uh, you're talking about alanase, allicin. These things can be complex, but I, I think you can follow the, the train of thought here readily uh, the way you're describing it. Go back through that again so people can understand what this is and why they might want to use it. So alanine is naturally found in garlic. Alanase is an enzyme that converts that natural, naturally found substance into a substance called allicin. And that's the issue with allicin. Think of it as the immune system of garlic is really what it comes down to. And it's a, it's a fluctuating component, and it's been difficult to stabilize this. What's really interesting is that the use of this substance in various types of pathology 
uh, is very, very well documented. And, and believe it or not, mm-hmm. the, and the FDA people that are listening to this will really enjoy this. I mean, I don't know <laughs> sure I'm just going to throw them into a tizzy here because <laughs> a lot of my slides, a lot of my material I got from the National Institute of Health uh, site. So they've got a lot of published data that's on the government's National Institute of Health site that talks about the prevention of cancer utilizing this particular technique. And they go into a number of different aspects. So there's a, autophagy is the most important part of this, which mm-hmm. a lot of people, uh, I'll, I'll clarify what autophagy is, or some people pronounce it as autophagy, um, is actually a type of apoptosis. So it's kind of like uh, apoptosis 2, if you will. Um, and it's essentially like self-digestion. There was a great article that was written. It's not a medical article. It's just a, a review that talks about how important uh, autophagy is because it's essentially getting rid of the old and allowing the new to come in. Is so it, is, it in, is, is the allicin inducing this process? Exactly. The mechanism of allicin has been postulated to be autophagy, and there's been a number of different studies that, that have now concluded that that is, in fact, what right. the mechanism of action is, one of the mechanisms of action. What's interesting, though, is that autophagy um, is equated to basically slowing down the aging process. It's, it's actually anti-inflammatory. It reduces, it's one of the most potent forms of antioxidation. And so they talk about how can you induce autophagy? And they go through the three ways that people can do this. One is exercise, mm-hmm. one is fasting, and one is reduction of carbohydrate intake. Very interesting, those three are the techniques that you can use to induce autophagy. And then the article went on to talk about the, the new utilization of medication, certain pharmaceuticals that are going to elicit autophagy. So one of those classes was the anti-epileptic drugs, the anti-seizure drugs. But, of course, then they do address and acknowledge that, well, you know, the problem is that if you start using these drugs, there's also side effects. So, you know, is there any other way of doing it? Not really. Go out, exercise fast, and reduce your carbohydrate intake. Well, now there is a way to actually induce autophagy, and that is using this high um, concentration stabilized allicin. So I'm really excited because even the, the company that's um, that is manufacturing this, they weren't, uh, uh, they weren't aware of this research. And so our protocol that we're putting together now is has been very successful at what we have put it for, but I haven't utilized it on a bigger scale from a prevention standpoint. And the fact that we are now able to um, see this research that's been done, because mm-hmm. I've, I've seen the benefits in this in cardiovascular disease and in cancer right. firsthand, personally, w- watching patients that we've you know taken through a program over the last 10 months. Yes. And I am more than um, impressed with this. But now to see how it's applicable for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, my whole family is uh, being put on it. So. Well, Dr. Batar, are we going to be able to meet some of the folks from this company when we're in San Diego? Do you know? Uh, no. Okay. I don't think that there'll be anybody there. Um, there may be, but I'm not 100% sure, no. All right. I, you know, because I first used uh, an Allison stabilized garlic, I, gosh, I don't know if it's 20 years ago now. It's ridiculous. A long time ago when I had uh, a, a patient who I've, I've told this story over the years uh, who came to me as a, he's a teenager, 17, 18 years of age. He, he's pre-med. He wants to go to medical school. He's now a, a doctor. But again, this is a long time ago. And he had already been butchered by gastroenterology uh, because of colitis and Crohn's. And he was he, he had a, a colostomy bag. And so he was on Cipro every day. They said like, you're on Cipro for life, which you know is a death sentence ultimately. You cannot be on that forever. And he, he came to me for help. It's like, hey, can I get off this stuff? Now, of course, I use homeopathy. I've used silver some at that point, although not as much as I know how to use it today. But one of the key things that, that stopped his reliance on the antibiotic drug 
was this Allison Stabilized Garlic. I don't know if it was the same company. Honestly, it's been many years. So I've had some experience in seeing the power of this as well as the safety. There was no no, no, no negative effect in this in this young man. And uh, I just I find it very fascinating that, that now you're taking it to another level here. I'm very, very, very happy to hear about it. Well, you know, the thing is, Robert, it's um, the truth will become self-evident. My dad has always said that, you know, truth will sustain itself, whether it's, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years, mm-hmm. but uh, it will sustain itself. So I'm not surprised that what I'm working on right now is something that you were aware of in the past and, and that truth has sustained itself. What is interesting, though, is that of all the allicins that have been tested, uh-huh. um, the vast majority of the products don't have measurable stabilized allicin within them. There's only uh, maybe three or four companies that actually do seem to have stabilized allicin, and, and their range is anywhere from um, uh, 80 to 120. I think the highest stabilized allicin content um, is 300 parts per million. And so that's been pretty much the main standard, and that's been actually that's uh, been the highest that they've been able to measure stabilized allicin. And this new methodology measured by um, liquid and gas chromatography mass spectrometry, so it's confirmed with two different types of methodologies, mm-hmm. has measured um, up to 7,600 parts per million. So it's Wow, that'll take efficiency up up over the top in a big way. Absolutely. Now, they can't make that uh, 7,600 parts per million from a commercial, uh, as far as a commercially viable product right now, because it's just too intensive a process. Sure. But to get sustained levels over 2,200 have been, uh, and that's, that's something that can be made commercially and it's viable from a, from a cost standpoint. Mm. And so to kind of play around with this stuff and see how it's working. And then there's other things that are combined with that, all natural things that are combined with that to, you know, again, get the synergistic um, exponential type benefit. But anyway, it's pretty exciting to see where this is going. And I've been uh, excited from this autophagy aspect because I can see the utilization of this uh, being well, let's see if we can stimulate some in all aspects of disease. We'll see if we can stimulate some autophagy at the FDA. Help uh, Trump along here. <laughs> this, yeah. you, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to your presentation there, everybody, folks. If you haven't already signed up, please. You got you know a, a day more. We're going to be starting uh, tomorrow. If you're listening live to the Robert Scott Bell Show uh, here midweek. Now. Um, uh, we were talking about the FDA a bit in addition to their the, the fraudulent, fraudulent cover-ups of, of, of science that isn't really science. Uh, you know, another thing about uh, the environment is that apparently 85% of all food in the U.S. is now deemed contaminated. Not by the EPA, who you think would want to look at this, uh, but uh, the, you know the fact is you can look at the the, the, the meta analyses of these things and start looking at the analysis and go, boy oh boy, glyphosate is everywhere, atrazine, another pesticide is is uh, almost everywhere. Um, there's so many contaminants in food, water, and air. This is why I've argued to people that you have to take control over that which you have genuine control over. That is more food and water because air we can't do a lot in terms of what's outside and what we're breathing. But if we control for everything we we have genuine God-given control over. We can overcome a lot. We have a lot of resiliency. Uh, creation is very powerful and adaptable. And the point that I'm trying to make here is that you can't rest on just prayer alone. Because a lot of people say, oh, I'll just pray it away. It's like, no, that's lazy. And I don't think we're uh, uh, going to be given a pass if we're lazy like that. But if you have genuine control over a certain area of your life and you don't take it, we're being irresponsible at that point. You know, Robert, the point that you make is, 100% valid. I'm 
completely on board with it. Mm-hmm. The issue, unfortunately, is that there are certain things that we're not, at least for me, one, one issue that came up by this particular study is there are some things that we are not in control of. For example, right. the quality of air that we breathe, we can't control that. Yeah, of course. Um, some people would say, well, what about the water I drink? You can't control that. You can't actually control that, and that's why you know you make sure you're either on well water or you filter all your water that comes through the house. And even then, you're not 100% sure if you're getting everything. So this is a major, major issue. Um, there's, there's very little that we have control over. I mean, if you think about it, and sometimes, as you mentioned earlier on the show, you get organic food, and you think you're getting the best, and you end up finding out that, you know, Whole Foods or whatever you're getting your food from that you thought you were getting organic happens to be genetically modified right. and um, irradiated, but, oh, it's still organic. Or, you know, yeah, sure. Well, even, even my garden in my backyard, which, uh, you know, I'm growing it organically, not FDA definition, but, uh, you know, with no added pesticides, et cetera. But I look up in the skies some days, and I'm going – I can't protect it from that. I'm not been doing it in a greenhouse. So I know that even the purest of the pure on this planet is not that anymore, which is why we have to take extra efforts to detoxify, a word that skeptics don't seem to acknowledge, which is fine. Let them, let them uh, you know, drink their poison, eat their poison. But the point of what we do as well with advanced medicine is, is bring that level of awareness that there are – not only that you should be aware of it, but what you can do about it. Well, I am very proud to be – involved with you on the show now for over seven years because i think we have made um somewhat of a dent and the fact that we know that the uh that our friends at the fda uh listen to us on a regular basis because we've received notifications <laughs> of things that have been said yeah. so um that's the only that's the only reason we even knew about it but the point is that it it is um it is rewarding to me personally to know that the message is getting out there and the feedback that we get. So I appreciate you um, for whatever reason that you've allowed me to be on the show with you for this many years. For whatever reason. And, uh, I, I mean, forward- dude, you're bigger than me. You've threatened me time and time again. You bet. No, I'm just teasing, obviously. <laughs> and if Ty, if, well, if Ty had his way, no one would hear from you. So there. But uh, no, Yeah, exactly. No, Ty's don't. bigger than me, so. <laughs> He's a big guy. Yes, he is. But uh, really a loving heart. And we kid. We love each other. We kid. That's why we do it. Uh, but yeah, no, this, this is really exciting. Again, to be able to delve in and I hope y'all, and I know you do because we hear from you, uh, enjoy our conversations together. And even, and especially when they challenge us or challenge me or challenge you to, you know, to kind of go further, to push a little further, to go into places of, of uh, you know, that are not always uh, comfortable because we can get in our own organic bubble as well. And I don't want that to happen either. Well, that's true. And, and also I have, um, I've learned a lot by being on the show because I hear different perspectives and sometimes these studies bring up certain things. Um, you know, like, in fact, right now, there's a burning thing in my head and I'm not sure why, you know, as we, this this sort of a mental um, absent-mindedness where you know that there's something important and then you're going to forget it and you yeah. want to make sure that you write it down. And so I'm really anxious for the next break because I want to okay. ask you something. We're on the break. Write it down. Write it down. Your hair's on fire. Write it down. Put your hair out and we'll be right back <laughs> to wrap up Advanced Medicine after this. Live around the world. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. 
All right, now that we've got Dr. Batar's hair not on fire anymore, because he was burning his ass, because like, I got to do it. By the way, we're going to see our buddy Christopher Barr, uh, Dr. Batar. I don't remember if you've ever met him, but he's the one that, you know, we talk about the whole food nutrients, if you will, and the difference that it is for people that have been just trying everything. So uh, I'm really huh. excited to get you guys together, too, when we're together in San Diego. Awesome. So, uh, let, hey, let's let's wrap up on another uh, of our our favorite companies, Merck. Uh, they're being sued by thousands of people over their shingles vaccine, the Zostavax, uh, because it's actually causing what it's supposed to prevent, shingles, which is what I've said from the beginning. Also, they're marketing it for people 50 and over, whereas the so-called FDA trials, whether they're legit or not, said it's viable for 60 and older. Yet they say, oh, everybody 50 and over should get it. And, of course, look the other way. Don't do anything because it's the FDA. Yeah, you know, this is one of those moments of duh mm-hmm. potential because having a drug and using it as indicated and then seeing the exact thing that it's supposed to prevent occur is not something new. You, you know, look at the flu vaccine. Everybody that gets the flu has usually had the flu vaccine. And the only times that I have gotten the flu in my life have been the two times that I got the flu vaccine. Same thing with seizure drugs. What is the side effect of seizure medication? Ongoing seizures. Seizure medications will induce seizures. That is the number one side effect of seizure medication. So this is really not a new concept um, that the drugs that are been designed will actually create the problem that they are designed to alleviate. And I think this is quite interesting that it's, um, it's almost like a trend in, <laughs> in big pharma yes. to have drugs that cause the problems that they're supposed to prevent. Um, and I'm only saying that half facetiously because it, it's, it's a strange phenomenon. Now, if you kind of think about homeopathy for a second, mm-hmm. homeopathy is using um, likes to the like same substance. Like you, there's a there's a thing for arsenic, for example, or uh, yes, arsen, was it arsen, arsenicum yeah. album? So, it's called yes. Exactly. So there's there's uh, an interesting thing that the same type of substance. For example, there's a also one for mercury. I guess that these things will actually alleviate the issue that you're dealing with. And it may be that big farmers trying to do the same thing, but they're actually going the opposite. They're actually creating the issue that they're supposedly preventing. Right. So likes, like gets rid of like, or like gets rid of, uh, yeah, I guess that's, is that the right way of saying Yeah, it? like cures like, like but of course, the, the, the different way to use it, of course, is, is infinitesimal dosing, right? Microdosing, you might even right. call it uh, nanopharmacology, uh, versus the gross, let's, let's inject it, bypass the immune system in such a way that uh, it overwhelms it, destroys it in the process of trying to elicit what they call their holy grail, the antibody. And as we know from immunology, the antibody is not necessarily sufficient, not that we stand against the antibody and hate the antibody, but even with the antibody, which most of these people already have, they're suffering because of nutrient deficiency, stress that depletes it, all of the things that you talk about in uh, the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Well, then that my point was going to be that it's interesting that if you look at homeopathy and you look at um, the w- way the big pharma is going, um, they're using, in homeopathy, like is curing the, the actual issue. And here, they're taking something that they're supposed to try to prevent, and they're actually inducing that. Yes. So it's actually, they're going on in totally diametrically opposed directions. One is using like to get rid of the problem, and the other one is supposedly using <laughs> something that's not like it, but they're actually creating the problem yeah in other words same they're going in the same direction but in, i mean they're going in the the, the methodology is the same they're accentuating whatever mm-hmm. they're accentuating 
but they're going in the opposite direction. Homeopathy actually works to help a person relieve themselves of yeah. whatever their ailment is. And Big Pharma is actually inducing the problem that they're yeah. supposedly trying to present. Disease induction so, machinery. Exactly. That's exactly right. That, and that's a beautiful way of saying it. Disease induction machinery. Because they are inducing the problem that they are supposedly trying to solve. Yeah, well, I say and this. Again, uh, you know, the first thing I said to the Canadian audience uh, on the panel discussion I did with Ty and uh, George Nuri from Coast to Coast was moderating. I said, vaccines are the uh, gateway drug to a lifelong dependence on synthetic drugs, you know, approved by FDA, uh, suppression of all the diseases that it creates or symptoms that it brings about. So one leads to the next. So there's a, a you know, a brilliant from a business strategy scenario uh, there with vaccines. Now, as we've talked about, we're not opposed to the idea of vaccines, but the way they are uh, basically implemented at this point, no, there's no way we could stand by them because they, they're creating disease, not preventing it. That's exactly right. And I think they're creating disease on a on generational level. Too, on purpose. Listen, we're out of time, Dr. Batar. I can't wait to see you tomorrow, those of you listening live. Join us at the Best Answer for Cancer as uh, we uh, bring the power. Well, I'm not even saying because, Dr. Batar, I love it when you say it. Tell them what they need to know. That the power to heal is unequivocally yours. Robert Scott Bell Show.